Welcome to Forum Passion, episode 40. I want to thank everyone once again for joining us. My name is Ace Stallings, and this is being recorded, as always, at Studio F12 on the south side of Richmond, Virginia. This is going to be our last public episode of the year. I want to thank everybody for sticking with us throughout uh, this interesting, to say the least, time period. Um, if this has brought any kind of just, you know, any kind of semblance of normalcy to anybody's life or just gotten anybody to disengage for uh, an hour or two at a time from everything that's been going on, then, uh, you know, then we've succeeded over here. Uh, I say this is the last public episode of the year uh, because those that are, you know, not initiated with us, uh, as those may not know, we do have uh, paid episodes uh, via our Patreon, which is at www.patreon.com slash forum of passion where you're going to get an additional episode on the last Friday of every month. And, uh, you know, it's less uh, interview based on those and more discussion based amongst friends and peers. But at the beginning of the public episodes, I like to shout out all the people that recently subscribed since the last public episode. Uh, this, this one's a bit of a longer list than normal. So I really want to shout everybody out that, uh, joined in. Uh, but first up, I want to send a shout out to John Osborne, uh, I want to send a shout out to Matt Zaleski. Uh, I believe he uh, changed, he upped his pledge, so I really appreciate that. Uh, Going to send a shout out to uh, Adam Kelly uh, of Broken Teeth. Thanks, Adam. He's always hitting me up about each of these episodes. Really cool that you're listening all the way over there. Andrew Vacante of Combust. He's been on here uh, at least once. Shout out uh, to you, Andrew. Michael Query. I uh, probably said your last name incorrectly. I apologize, but I really thank you joining us. Uh, Reed Bowman. Uh, a few more of these here. Uh, Cole Gilbert. Thanks for joining us on the Patreon there, Cole. And uh, got uh, Mark Jones, who was on the last Patreon episode. Shout out to you, Mark, of Downfall Red Vision. Local guy here. Uh, Josh Holton. Thanks for joining us over there. Uh, Michael Kent, he's in a local band here in Richmond called Ghoulie. Check out their record that they dropped this year. Uh, Jordan Greena, appreciate you, Jordan. And two more, we got Jake Schmader. And last but not least, shout out to just somebody named Dan. If your name is Dan and this applies to you, we appreciate you for joining us over on the Patreon. Uh, today, we got on somebody that... I've I've encountered in passing, but haven't gotten a chance to really ever speak with that at a at a very deep level, and I'm very excited to do so. I'm a big fan of his band, uh, and and people in my band, you know, we we discuss uh, this band all the time because of how cool they are, and I think they're doing really interesting things uh, in regards to death metal. Today, I have on Mr. Chase Mason of Gate Creeper. How you doing, sir? Good, good. How are you? I'm great. I'm uh, as good as I can be. What's uh, you you you're in Arizona, correct? Yeah, correct. How's uh, how's Arizona been? Uh, it's pretty good. I mean, we had a really we had a really hot summer. It's always a hot summer, but uh, it's finally starting to cool down. So that, that dry um, heat. It's been nice. So, are you originally from Arizona? Have you always been there? Yeah, born and raised. What what city? I've never. That is a part of the. I've never been to Arizona, so I, my geography isn't great. Um, I'm. I live in Phoenix now. Um, Phoenix is kind of 
right in the middle of the state. Um, it's the capital, and there's a big Phoenix metropolitan area. Um, and I've lived a couple a couple of different cities that are within the metropolitan area. And I grew up um, in Mesa, Arizona, which is kind of like a suburb of Phoenix. Okay. Okay. What's like, like, like map out Phoenix for me, having never been, I, I kind of want to catch like, you know, like, I, I, when things I've being as I've never been to Arizona, when someone tells me about talks about Arizona, I think desert spiked with like larger cities, like a Tucson or, or like a Phoenix or something. But, but is it like that? Like what's, what's kind of like the, like the lay of the land? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's kind of, uh, you know, now that I've traveled around, uh, there's some places that remind me of, of Phoenix, like a lot of parts in Texas kind of remind me of, of Phoenix, pretty flat. Everything's laid out in a grid. Um, it's like, it's a little bit newer, um, than, you know, East coast cities. So things are a lot more spread out, you know, things aren't like built upwards. Um, so things are a little bit, um, spaced out i guess you could say okay um tucson is about two hours south from us an hour and a half two hours um a couple of guys from my band actually live in tucson so we, we kind of go back and forth um make that drive a lot and um but i mean phoenix it's phoenix proper like to have your addresses phoenix is pretty big but if you include um the phoenix metropolitan Metropolitan area, which different cities that, you know, even though I grew up in Mesa, I would still tell someone who's not from Arizona that I'm from Phoenix. Um, sure. So if you include all of those cities, it's it's massive. It's huge. Gotcha. Gotcha. Is, is your family originally from there as well? Um, yeah. Um, both my parents grew up in, in Arizona as well. Okay. What, uh, like what, what you are someone that's kind of, um, it's hard to parse out your age. What year were you born? 87. 87. Okay. Gotcha. So like, kind of tell me, tell me about what, you know, like, uh, like you said you were born in Mesa. Mm-hmm. What, what was kind of like, uh, like what was kind of going, like, going on? Like when you, you were like younger, like, like, uh, you know, like, like this is like a music based podcast. And I always like, like to kind of like get mm-hmm. like lead up to a point where people find music, but like, like, you know, was, uh, be it as what you're kind of doing now, like, like, were you in like a very like musical household? Like, like kind of like what, what, what'd your parents have going on? Did you have like brothers and sisters like playing music in your home or, or, or was, you know, like what was kind of, what was kind of that set up? Um, well, I guess a big part, um, an important detail of, of my family, me growing up, uh, my family's Mormon. Um, so, I was raised LDS like that, you know, every, I'm the only one in my family now that's not, um, you know, still an active member, but I was not ever really into it. I, I was probably like five years old when I told my parents I didn't want to be Mormon. Um, so that was the, the atmosphere that I was raised in. Um, and Mesa in particular is known for and um, continues to be like a very highly Mormon populated area for some reason um mm-hmm. probably i think a lot of people a lot of the mormons um you know and they've been kind of settled by mormons so um you know like my, i went to public schools and, and all that but i would say that you know my public high school was probably at least half mormon 
which that doesn't really occur many Whoa. places other than Mesa or, or Utah or something like I that. I was going to um, say Utah or something. So that's, yeah. that's kind of like a huge factor in, in what's that? I was going to say, I was going to say Utah or something like that's the only other place I know that would be like that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I, and I've, after meeting people from all over the country or all over the world, like, you know, you ask someone from the East coast, like they probably don't even know what they don't know a Mormon person or they don't even really know what it's all about. Um, but, um, coincidentally, my brother went on his Mormon mission to Richmond. Um, so that was, I mean, that was probably like in 2005 or something like that, but there's, there's a connection there. Huh? So you said when you were five, you told your parents that you didn't want to, you like, you didn't want to be Mormon. You like, you, you weren't into the idea. So that's a pretty young age to have like that sort of autonomy to be like, I'm like not into this. Like, what about it at such a young age where you like this, this isn't for me? Um, well, I think, you know, I'm pretty sure that it was, I was like five years old. I might've been in kindergarten. And, um, even though there was a pretty highly Mormon populated area that the kids that were in my neighborhood that were my friends that, you know, were my age, um, they weren't Mormon. So I, I had, the thing that I always remember is that I had gotten invited to some kid's birthday party and it was on a Sunday and Mormons, um, they believe, you know, they believe in keeping the Sabbath day holy and like you are supposed to just go to church and spend time with your family. You're not supposed to go out or you're not supposed to spend money. You're not supposed to work. You're not supposed to do anything except for church and family time, basically. Um, so they told me that I couldn't go to my friend's birthday party. And they said, you know, like, oh, you can't do this because we're Mormon. That's what our family does. And I just said, you know, like, I don't want to be Mormon. I want to go to this birthday party. Yeah, my, um, man, my man had to party. I, I hear you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's kind of set the ball rolling and into later in life, just kind of not being into uh, what my family was into or what they wanted me to. Started off with a birthday party. So, all right, interesting. This is interesting to me because it, it's like, I mean, like, like, did you end up going to the birthday party? I don't think so. No. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna say, do they do they take this well? <laughs> like, um, but uh, okay. So I mean, like you see, you, a, a defiant streak exists early on. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like what, you know, be it that you were like, not really into like, you know, kind of like the, what seems to be the heavy structure of your family, like, like, you know, when you were younger, uh, like, but you had like, were you like gravitating more towards friends or you, were you like gravitating more towards things outside of the home at the time? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Friends or whatever, um, outside influences there were. Gotcha. Was it just like neighborhood friends and, and stuff? Like, or, like, were you allowed to like watch movies and TV and stuff? Like, I don't, I don't know how strict like a Latter Day Saints household would be. Um, there's there's um kind of specific guidelines on, on things that you're not supposed to do. Like, no matter what age you are, like rated R movies is pretty much like a no go. Um, and there's definitely like no drugs, no alcohol. Um, pretty like there. It, as far as the values, it's pretty like you can consider it pretty standard Christian values, um, with maybe a little extra stuff added on. Um, but yeah, there was, there was certain things that you're just kind of understood that you're not supposed to do. And later 
as I grew up, I started to be defiant and curious. And I was, it kind of excited me to, to do things that I was told not to do, or it was, was raised like, Oh, don't see a rated R movie. I just made me want to do it even more, you know? When would you say that you kind of encountered sort of like that, that urge to sort of to be like, all right, I'm, I'm going against the grain here. Like, you know, like, like these, these rules have been established for me. I like, and not in like, like not in the way when you were five and you're like, I want to go to the birthday party, mm-hmm. but more along the lines of like, when, when were you like, you know what, like the here, here is the, the line that you guys are putting in front of me and I want to step over it. When, when do you kind of remember that? Um, I remember a, a, a pretty specific um, instance where I'm not sure exactly how old I was, but it was when Ace Ventura came out oh, uh, the first yeah. one. Oh yeah, bud. And it's not a rated R movie. I think it was PG 13. And because it was, it was already established like a rated R movies, no go. Um, my dad was specifically like, you're not allowed to see Ace Ventura. Mm. So of course I went, you know, somehow you know like a friend's parents let them rent it from blockbuster or something and i watched it and i loved it so that it just kind of perpetuated this like okay everything that they're telling me not to do is it's cool it's fun so birthday parties and uh ace ventura it just <laughs> it went from there and eventually later in my life it you know turned into to much more darker things um drugs or whatever it was but um i think it just took me trying out the things that I was told not to do and enjoying it. And mm-hmm. then it just created a more and more, um, defiant, like I said, um, attitude when, so, I mean, I, I think that's interesting because I, I feel like that is a, something that, that kind of is underneath all of us. Uh, not, I can't, I can't, I can't paint with that broad of a stroke, but like with a lot of people within like metal music, punk music, hardcore music, the, this sort of desire to go against what has been laid out in the world, I feel like permeates, you know, throughout. So I always find it interesting kind of like what, where people pick that up. When did you start hearing music that you like were like interested in probably away from what you were hearing at home? Um, well, I guess just go back because you, you asked me earlier and I didn't answer the, um, you know, if my family was musical. Um, my family, at least my parents, didn't necessarily play music, um, but my dad was very interested in music. Um, and he, you know, had a huge CD collection and he was always showing me music or, or quizzing me on different music, like, you know, be in the car and he'd be like, all right, who sings this song, you know, and I would have to know the answer. So he, he definitely put me on to being, you know, the music obsessed person that I am now. And specifically the Beatles, when I was really young, um, my dad really liked the Beatles. And like, he took me to see, um, Paul McCartney for, I think it was my third birthday. Well, I mean, yo, and, I mean, my dad did the same thing with me. Exact same thing. Yeah. He was really into Beatles and took me to see Paul McCartney at some point. Like, yeah. yeah. Huh. So it was that. And so there was a lot. And then, you know, my dad, as far as my own musical stuff, I remember, um, early on, you know, when I was probably in first grade or something, my, my dad showed me how to record songs off of the, the radio, like on a boom box, you know, you have it like set up with the tape in there and you have recorded tape and the, uh, the pause button on at the same time. Yep. And as soon as I, you know, as soon as you hear the song start that you want, you, you know, unpause it and it starts recording. 
So I, I remember recording songs off the radio, like making my own mixtapes, like around the time of like Ace of Bass and like oh, there it yeah. is. Oh, tracks. Hey. I, um, I was gonna ask like what what tracks got, were like, on boys, there. What's that? I was gonna ask what tracks were on there. Yeah, Boys to Men probably. Um, Coolio. I don't know. Whatever was kind of like on the the pop like R and B rap station at the time um and then i and then i continued on and then getting more into like whatever the radio rock was at the time you know like alternative rock um and just continued on that way but i mean obviously this this was like before the internet um before you could download music and you had to actually go to the store and like buy the cd or whatever and um i think that the from there, like the big transition, the entry point was probably like Green Day, Dookie. Okay. Um, and that was that was my jump off, probably. Um, and the, and there's uh, there's other people that have been on this podcast that have talked about kind of like growing growing up about the same time, being about the same age in like the mid '90s, and then and yeah, Dookie being like a like a like a big record for them. Had you just heard Green Day on the radio? Yeah, I think so. But also, I have I have a cousin. Um, he's an older, he's probably like seven years older than me. And, uh, he was into punk and skateboarding and stuff. And he played in a, a punk band, kind of like Green Day or, or something like that, pop punk. And, um, I think once I started getting interested in, in that sort of stuff, um, I followed, followed his lead or I would, you know, ask him or find out what he was listening to and, Cause I was, you know, by the time, you know, I was like 10 or 11, I was interested in skateboarding. I was interested in, you know, more underground music or, or new stuff that was exciting to me. So at that point there was, um, and I started picking his brain or borrowing his from his collection. It really kind of like blew everything wide open. How did you, how would you found skateboarding at, at the time? Like, 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 was that just like kids at school and stuff or like, like TV? Um, I think it was a mixture of my cousin's influence and kids at school because okay. this was like the, you know, like the late nineties and there was starting to be skateboarding was a little bit more mainstream with like X games and stuff like that. Um, yeah. and it was definitely cool. It was like the cool thing to do, um, for, for kids my age and, um, yeah, having my, my older cousin to kind of grab, you know, as a well of, of information to get things from, I, I probably had maybe a leg up from kids my age uh, that were getting into the same things. Yeah. It's a show resource. I mean, like, so was he just kind of showing you bands that sounded like, like green day or was he kind of, or was he showing you classics as well? Was it just punk or was it like other things as well? Um, um, it was mostly punk. There was like, I'm the cousin is the one that, he, the same cousin showed me like some hardcore for the first time. Um, and, but early on it was like punk and maybe some hip hop, you know, like what, you know, it's like skateboarding, this, this stuff that went along with skateboarding, you know, um, you know, like, uh, souls and mischief. Um, oh, fuck yeah. And like tribe called quest, that sort of stuff. Maybe Got like, you. 36 you know 36 chambers or something like that yeah yeah definitely definitely I mean, like like i mean like hip-hop was so like it was a kind of experiencing that golden era at that time so i mean like, i imagine like you know that was kind of like also 
permeating, you know, through like throughout everything. Um, Souls of Mischief is cool though. I feel like, I feel like that might like that's kind of like I I like you know like I think a lot of people like know ninety three till infinity, but maybe like not some of their other tracks. But I think they're really cool, and I don't hear them reference that often. Yeah. Um, but uh, so are you like wanting to like make music at the time? Are you thinking about that at all? Or is you just kind of like skating, hanging out with your friends and your cousin and just kind of chilling? Like kind of where was your head at with that? Um, I mean, I was definitely interested in, I wanted to play music. I know that my parents, you know, kind of made all of the kids, like we had to take piano lessons and I was like not very interested in it, but it was kind of, um, it was kind of a thing like, Oh, you want to play the guitar? You want to play music? Well, you have to learn how to play piano first. Like that was kind of like a, a rule or something in my house. Okay. Um, so I kind of went through playing, going through piano lessons and I wasn't really into it, but I was just itching to like, I wanted by the time I was into rock music or, or punk music at the time, like I wanted to learn how to play the guitar or the drums or, or whatever it was to be in a band because I was interested in it already like super obsessed with music, but then also again, saw my cousin playing it and I was like, that's cool. Like I want to do that. What was the first instrument that you got? Um, well, my, my dad had this acoustic guitar that he had let my uncle borrow for like, since they were way younger, like my uncle had this guitar for, 10 or 15 years and when i was a i was probably like 11 um my my uncle returned this guitar to my dad and so this guitar showed up at our house and we were like both me and my my brother were like yo what's up with this like we want to we want to learn how to play this and um i remember learning it was like a it was a nylon string like classical guitar and I think it had a couple strings missing. Um, but I remember learning Green Day Brain Stew. Mm-hmm. That was probably my first riff. Oh, hell yeah. Um, and, and learning like Blink-182 songs or like Pennywise Bro Him. Like songs like that. Because I was at the time, but around that time I was starting to get into like punk, like punk, skate punk sort of stuff. And, yeah. and luckily those songs are like super easy to use and it just started like finding tabs on the internet and just playing like power chords or whatever on the, on the, uh, on this beat up string missing guitar. And, uh, I think eventually like I, I, I started playing music, but I think that the first instrument that I actually bought, um, was a really shitty drum set. Oh, so so you teach yourself these like song. You're teaching yourself guitar. What you know, kind of like what what made you win, and kind of what made you jump to the to drums. Um, I had a at this point I was like 12, and I started junior high, and I met some other kids that were into the same sort of stuff. And this one at my school, he was playing guitar. Um, so we'd go around and, and like, I'd go over to his house and we'd like fuck around the guitar and his brother had a drum set. So we went and we would go into his brother's room and like play songs, you know, like we would play cover songs, just the two of us. And so I was playing his, his brother's drum set. So I guess that was like my first band I played drums in. And then I bought a drum set, um, 
you know, later that year or something like that, I saved up my money and bought some really shitty drum set. Um, and, uh, I think that because I bought such a shitty drum set, it made me really frustrated. Like the symbols would literally like turn inside out when I hit them. Oh shit. Okay. Um, so That's I kind of got burnt okay. out on it. And then I switched to, after that I played bass in a band, but it, cause I had, I, you know, my first, I had learned how to play guitar first. Um, and you know, the difference in that sort of style between the guitar, playing the guitar and the bass is pretty non-existent. Um, and so I just continued to learn how to, to play guitar and bass and all that. And I kind of bounced around, but I left drums, I left drums there. I never went back to the drums, but I just, um, ended up buying a, a bass or a guitar, you know, later on and continued to learn how to play that. What was the first band you were in? Um, my first, the first band that I was telling you about that, um, I started with my friend that I played drums in, I think we went by the name down by one. Okay. And uh, this is like when I was like 12 years old, I think one of the only shows we played was, uh, my 13, my 13th birthday party. Oh yeah. And we, we would play, we were just playing covers, but they were like instrumental covers. So we were playing like green day or, or blink One Eighty Two songs or the Ataris. We, we covered San Dimas high school football rules by the Ataris. Sure. Um, but it was just instrumental. What, uh, like, so wait, so, so you just, you're doing these covers, like just instrumental. You you play the one show. Have you been to like, like not Paul McCartney, but have you been to any like live aggressive music yet at this point? Like, um, yeah. So I think my first punk show was um mxpx okay so that was when i was um in seventh grade and i think that was probably 1999 all right but so it was right around this time that i was playing the first band i'd I'd started going to shows and i saw like mxpx and then i would go saw like less than jake or whatever you know those sort of bands that were around at that time but they they happened at the same time that i started playing in a band and started going to shows so you're really just kind of it's like you're kind of being inundated with like with kind of like a lot of this skate punk like ska kind of and like the skateboarding stuff you're playing all at the same time it's kind of all coming at you at once it yeah. is what it sounds like um I mean that's cool I mean I'm, I'm sure you're when you're a kid and you're soaking that up like you know I, I'm, I'm like like you know like a lot of that music is very fun so I associate you know like having a good time, you know, like around all that, the band you ended up playing bass for, was that kind of the same vibe or was it something different? Um, it was, it was a little different, um, because this was like a year or two later and my musical interest started to morph a little bit by this time. Um, I kind of got more, this is like, the very early two thousands and I started getting into more like I went from skate punk into more like, I guess you call like emo. Sure. Um, which I'm, I'm very hesitant to use the word emo a lot of the times because people associate that with something different than I associate it with. Um, but like the get up kids, the anniversary, like that sort of yeah. records emo. Definitely. Um, that's what, I, the band that I played bass in tried to be like we had a keyboard player um, and it was called Treehouse Cadillacs <laughs> ooh fuck yes baby <laughs> uh, how how would you kind of made 
I got two questions. How would you kind of made that jump from? Because, because I mean, it, it. I mean, I can kind of see like the the step to get up kids from like stuff like Blink or Green Day. But like, how how would you discover this stuff? How were you discovering new music at this point? Was it still your cousin, or you know, like? Um, it was. Yeah, it was, it was a pretty easy transition, but specifically I remember being at a, there was an opening of this skate, um, this skate park here, this big outdoor skate park. And they had kind of had like this opening ceremony, like this party. And they had some companies there that were doing raffles and giving away stuff. And for some reason, I don't know how it ended up this way, but my friend got in some sort of raffle that he won. He got the get up kids, um, something to write home about a CD. Um, I don't know how or, or why they were giving that away specifically. Um, but we got it and we, we jammed it and we went down that path. Interesting. Okay. And so also my other question is that you're, you're kind of hitting high school now. Like what was kind of like, what was like the lay of the land? Like, it sounds like you were able to like meet people and like play music with them and, and like, and you know, like, like were you like were you like a social person or was it kind of like just like you had like an insular group like kind of like what was your experience just in life around then um well i think a big part of that this time period is like the internet because this was like the golden golden age of like aol instant messenger oh dude yeah. you know that was what, like what was your screen without um uh, the first one I think was Chase the Mace. Oh, that's, that's pretty Chase sick, the, dude. Yeah, no numbers, just straight up Chase. That's that's hard. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, like so that kind of changed. It was when people first had the internet in their house, like as a household thing uh, across the board. Everybody had like at least one computer, like family computer that they had the internet on. Yeah, and us as kids, like that's how we we soaked it up and started um, communicating that way. So I think that really affected the, the social landscape. Um, and I was able to at first, you know, communicate with my friends that I already had, but then, you know, through the internet, it, it's early, you know, like modern use stages um, start to meet people that were maybe not in my immediate vicinity, you know, were you still like, are you are you going to shows regularly at this time period, or was it just kind of like when you could, um, you know, yeah, like like kind of what was like what was the was there like a local scene like that was like thriving, or was it mainly just like touring packages or? Um, well, there's like there's this there's this venue here, the Nile Theater, um, that I went to a lot of shows at a lot of the bigger shows, but we did have like a very interesting like live um local scene so jimmy world is from arizona they're from mesa that's right and this is like post jimmy world or at least um post clarity and this was kind of like in the the bleed american era of of jimmy world and they were like obviously like hometown heroes like some of the members went to my high school before i did so I think that them being from there and being so popular, like um, there was a lot of that. Maybe that's also why I kind of got into the emo world is because that was just like in my city, that was it. You know, like that was what you did. Like yeah. you wanted to be like Jimmy World. 
And so there was like a lot, I wouldn't say it's huge as, as in size, but um, the, the local scene like of high school bands or even junior high bands, like there was house shows like every weekend. Um, okay. and, and a lot of those bands, including the bands that I played in, like we usually didn't ever play any shows playing at, at venues or opening for like touring bands or whatever. It was just a group of local bands playing at whoever's house that their parents let them have a show that weekend. But literally every weekend there'd be a, a house show. That's, that's chill though. I, I mean, I like that. I like that vibe. I, for some reason I associate, I don't know why, but I associate kind of like the type of music that you were playing with kind of like that, like, like house show house party, you know, kind of vibe like, um, yeah, so that's, that's, that's interesting. And, and I forgot that Jimmy world was from there. Yeah. I mean, I'm not surprised at all that that just kind of like trickled down to like everybody with it's like, cause I, I mean, I remember Jimmy world from that time period cause they were blowing up. Um, like I was seeing them on TV and stuff at, at, at that same yeah. time. Like, yeah. So, I mean, like, like, I'm sure that just kind of like they work their vines all the way throughout, uh, you know, the area, um, just because of just their sheer size. But, uh, okay. So like, uh, treehouse Cadillacs or were you, so you're just playing a bunch of house shows. Like do you guys <laughs> ever play outside of, uh, of, uh, you know, Phoenix and Mesa or, or no? Not really. No, definitely not outside of the, the Phoenix area. Um, it was mostly just like house shows, but like I said, it was like every weekend, you know? Gotcha. Gotcha. How, like, so how long were you doing that band and, 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 you know, like, like what, what reason did it stop? Like, kind of, you know, and kind of like what was, what was next for you? Like, I imagine you're probably about like 15, 16 at this time. Yeah. So, um, all the kids that I was, what I was playing with there were like other kids, like Mormon kids or from our family. Um, and like I said, that's kind of the majority of, of the area that I'm from. So, around this time I started getting a little bit more wild. Um, and you know, I started getting heavier music. Um, I started, you know, experimenting with drugs and, and stuff like that. Um, so I kind of was, even though I was already kind of on my own, as far as not being into the whole Mormon thing, I still associated with like a lot of people and played in bands with that were, you know, for lack of a better word, like just Mormon kids that were, sure. were into it, you know, that's how you're raised. You're just going with the flow of what your family does. Um, but the more and more kind of wild that I got, I separated myself even more. So at least for the people that I was playing with at that time, I think I, I outgrew their, the, the lifestyle that they were living and um, kind of started going in different maybe a, a darker path than the rest of them I kind of um, ended that band. I was like, it sounds so corny, but like I would get, I was in trouble out with my parents. So like we were supposed to play some sort of house show, but I bet like, I got grounded. Like I can't play or whatever it was. So, um, and I started, and I think music tastes or whatever. I started getting into to, to different music and it just kind of like fizzled out, I guess. What, what were you getting into? Like what, where were your tastes going and how, how did you get there? All right. So, um, I mentioned my cousin earlier and he was like, he played in bands and stuff and he was into like all kinds of cool stuff, but he was still like, he was a Mormon. He was a Mormon dude. Um, and Mormons and men and sometimes women, but it's expected of men when you turn 19, at least at the time, I think it, 
it's changed now, but when you're 19, you go on a, you go on a mission for two years. Um, and my cousin went on his mission. I think he went to Australia or something like that. And this was when I was, so for the two years, I think I was probably 13 to maybe 15. And, you know, he left, he wasn't at his house, but I have his younger brother was, you know, my cousin was, it was closer to my age. Um, we were, we were really close growing up. So I would be at their house and I would, my cousin was gone, but all of his stuff was still at their house. So I would just go into his room and go to his like music collection and just like cherry pick maybe like 10 CDs and bring it back. So even when he wasn't there and in earlier years, kind of like putting me onto stuff, I had free range of all this stuff. Um, so I started listening to it and he was mostly into the skate punk stuff, but he also like, I remember he had a turmoil poster on his wall mm. and he had a lot of the like nineties victory stuff. Okay. So I think like, um, earth crisis, um, destroy the machines, um, snap case and, um, grade under the radar. Okay. That, that one's kind of a wild card, but I love that record. Right. Um, yeah. and that was, I feel like that was a big one for me. Like, you know that record, you know what I'm talking about? I've, I've, I know I've seen it under the radar, but I mean, I don't, I don't know it like, but so well, like that was always a name. I always saw that one come up, but I, like, I was never really shown that one when I was younger. So I, I never really gravitated towards yeah. it. Yeah, It's like listening back now, like I've revisited it and it's like, it's kind of like an emo record, but with hardcore parts. And it was definitely the first music that I had heard that was like, hardcore but had singing on it too like right. i mean it became super popular after you know just years later but like it was the first of what i call good cop bad cop vocals and uh -huh. i think that that was it was huge for me because i was already into the like emo sort of stuff and then to hear that with like hardcore um or like heavier parts that it was like a, a perfect album to bridge the gap for me I'm going to visit that then because it's like, I like great is a band that I've like, I, people have name checked to me before I've, I, I've like seen it. I, I've, I know I've like at least listened to them like once, but just haven't really like, like taken a dive in there and kind of like, as what you're saying, I'm, I'm interested, especially if it being kind of like a bridge from you being into like get up kids and, and things of that nature and kind of going into like kind of like a more heavy direction. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, so that kind of, that was some of my, my cousin's music that I was like, all right, and destroy the machines. Like, I don't think I really understood it at first. I remember being like that, it, that first song like starts off with like kind of like an eerie, like guitar part. And I remember getting that feeling for the, for the first time where I'm like, I'm kind of scared, you know, like I'm, I'm not sure what's going on. Like I probably shouldn't be listening to this. It's like, got like there's just something it's listening back. It's, it's whatever I listen to it now, but I remember just having that feeling in your stomach. I'm like, this is like evil, you know? And obviously they're not even like a satanic band or whatever, but that was my first experience to be like, Oh, this is cool. Like it makes me feel weird. Yeah. Earth, Earth crisis was bringing, it was bringing in something. I feel like at that time period that like, I, I'm, I would love to know their reference points because I, I think about like, yeah, like traction, like destroy the machines and, uh, 
actually specifically on destroy the machines that are, I'm like, I'm like, what? I mean, what were they listening to? Like Slayer, I guess, or I don't know with like the leads and everything that like, I know the exact part you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it does have this, this sort of evil overtone to it. Um, and everything. Yeah. I mean like that, like I, I, I know, I know what you're talking about and I, I know what the feeling you're talking about of when you hear some, especially being around that age, when you're hearing stuff like that for the first time, and and like it doesn't you're not just like you're not just like hearing it but you're like you feel it in your whole body or or you it's like it's like experiencing like a new emotion or a new sensation for the first time um yeah. some of that stuff it's, it's like i mean not not to like make it like this baseline but it, it it's it's pretty magical um yeah and i think i think a big thing too about my age or like the landscape of whatever when i was coming up into into you know my own music is that this was the the dawn or like the golden era for new metal. And I was not about that, you know, like, um, you were either like into punk, like skate punk, um, or it was like new metal. So there was at my school or whatever, it was like, Oh, these are the metal kids, but they're, they're young and they're into the metal. That's cool right now. So they're new metal Mm. and I'm into punk and there was like separate things. So I didn't really have, a lot of my peers or people that are, I play music with now or whatever, they had the different route where in Y2K or whatever that time frame was, they got into new metal and then through to other extreme or underground music that way. I had like a, a little bit of a different path because I wasn't about the new metal, I guess. I see. Wait, what, what about the new metal turns you off at the time? Do you remember? Um, I don't know. Like I just didn't like, um, I can't say for sure, but I just didn't like, um, I didn't like what I heard. I didn't, it didn't give me any sort of feeling. I didn't like that sort of like kind of that weird, like horror movie or I don't even know. It's like almost like a, a, a darker quirky yes. feel to it. Yes. That's like I, I with corn or like cold chamber. I remember like static X um around that time period i just like this isn't this isn't for me like this is this doesn't do anything for me i'm not excited by this and like i think i was also whether it's being raised on the beatles or being into like pop punk at the time i didn't consider it pop punk but like all that skate punk fat records epitaph shit is like it's pop punk um and so i think i was i needed a little bit more of uh of that style melody to, to really draw me in um obviously that's that's changed now but i mean still i like all that stuff and there's just that sort of um songwriting still still has stuck with me to this day so i mean like i mean yeah i mean like, i i feel like new metal structures are you know i mean it, it's it's not into it genre wise as being one with like odd time signatures for certain bands and, and like strange structures. Whereas like the stuff that's like, sounds like Pennywise or, yeah. you know, like that it's, it's more, it's, it's more kind of structured like a Beatles track. It's more, it's like kind of more, it's, you know, like, like you reference more of a pop structure. Um, so no, I mean, I hear you on that. Like, yeah. uh, what, uh, so you, you're getting kind of, you, you find earth crisis Snapcase grade. Are you like, I want to make a band like this or, or kind of like, what was the next step for you? Um, I think the next step for me was, 
you know, whatever was going on. That, Cause at this time, you know, those, what we just, what you just mentioned, that was like older at this yeah. time, you know, like that was late nineties stuff. And we're in, you know, like 2001, 2002. And so like the modern stuff, I remember that was coming out at that time that I got into, or my friends that were kind of transitioning into different music would be like Thursday or like glass jaw. Um, that sort of stuff was some more, gray area um transitional stuff definitely Def- definitely in like kind of like the you talk about like what you, what you say like the good cop bad cop vocal i feel like like yeah you know like bands like glass straw and stuff like did have that in there like are you pl- are after you're done with uh you know, Treehouse Cadillacs, where you, did you go do another, I, I love how you smile every time I say that. <laughs> or did you go to another band, uh, after, after that? Or was it, was there, a, was this a time period where you're not playing for anybody? Um, I was still playing in that band and I was trying to write like a little bit more ah. heavier stuff, I guess. Okay. Um, because in that band I was playing bass, but I was still like writing some of the songs on guitar and I was trying to incorporate some more stuff that I was into and I did. Um, but I, I didn't play, I didn't play in like a, a harder or like a metal band until I was like 18. Okay. Okay. And like at that point were you like out of school or were you still in high school when that happened? All right. So I was in school I was in my junior year and I had been getting into, you know, like I said, darker stuff. I like started smoking weed when I was like 13. Um, so by the time I was uh, a junior in high school, how old are you then? 15 or 16. Um, yeah. I was getting more and more into that stuff. I had gotten like suspended from school. Um, I was always in trouble with my parents and, uh, luckily no, no problems with the law, but the, the day after my parents, um, well, in my ju- at the end of my junior year, and I was getting to heavier stuff, um, I s- started a band with my friend that was going to be like a more metal band. Um, but I was in trouble, and uh, my parents sent me away when I was, I guess I was 17 at the time. So it was like right after my junior year of high school. So I got sent away until I turned 18. Um, so I was gone for 10 months and I didn't, uh, uh, really have any contact or I wasn't, I wasn't able to listen to music, whether it was old or current, just no music at all. Yeah. Um, and then when I got home and I mean, it's kind of like long story situation, but I was 18 and I was kind of like forced into adulthood and living on my own. And that's when I started my first like metal band, I guess. Where do they send you away to? Um, it was like, it was basically like a bad kid program. So there was kids from 13 to 18 that were there. Um, and it wasn't necessarily, it wasn't a rehab, but like there was a lot of kids that were sent there because they were doing drugs or there was kids that were just like running away from home or whatever it was, but it was kind of like an intense, I guess you call it a behavioral modification program. Mm. Um, the first one that I got sent to was in Mexico but it was like it was run by american people but they it was in mexico and it was all kids from the u.s that would get sent there and but after i was there for months uh it actually got shut down 
I just got raided by the Federales and there was, cause they were doing all kinds of sketchy shit, I guess. Really? So I got sent to a different one that was in upstate New York. Do you remember, New York. Do you remember anything like sketchy? Like, do you remember do you, like, seeing anything like that, that the Federales would come in there for? Or was that just kind of a surprise to you as well? Um, well, yeah, kids were like getting like beat up and shit, you know? Um, oh, shit. I wouldn't say it's like that movie sleepers, but it was kind of like the movie sleepers. Um, and, uh, yeah, kids were just, I mean, it was a place where your parents sent you away to. Um, it was basically like a juvenile hall that your parents paid to send you to. So there were some kids there that instead of if they were in trouble with the law, you know, they could go to juvie or be on probation or you could go to something like this. Um, yeah. But there was, yeah, there was definitely like some abuse going on. And I think the reason, the main reason was because there was some sort of visa um paperwork or something that was fraudulently done for all these to have these kids in mexico so they got shut down and they told they called everybody's parents were like you got 48 hours to come pick up your kid damn so so you get sent to upstate new york from there yeah um was it kind of like similar situation or was it like was it different yeah it was the same program but they have like a couple different facilities there's probably like five or six of them throughout like the country was it the um, same kind of thing up there too? Were they like beating on kids and stuff? Yeah, it was just like a really strict program. Um, it was kind of like military style, and but it wasn't a military school or anything. Um, but yeah, it was really strict. I remember, I remember I was there when Dimebag died. I remember oh, talking to one of the like employees that I we were talking about music, and he was kind of like a a metal guy. And I remember him being like, man, I just got shot. And I'm like, oh. So whenever whenever that was, I can't remember the exact date. It was 2004. Um, but that were, was the time that I was Were you listening to Pantera at the time? Like, were, were you into them? What's that? I couldn't hear you. Oh, it's okay. Uh, were you listening to Pantera at the time? Were you, like, were you into them? Um, I think I started getting into that sort of stuff like right before I got okay. sent away. I guess we should go back and like I think um my entry point was through getting the heavier stuff and then modern. I remember um it was like I got I was getting more into like the modern at the time, I guess you'd call it like metalcore or headbangers ball featuring sure. Jamie Josta metal uh metal or hardcore, like Darkest Hour. Yep. Um Black Dahlia Murder. I remember like Atreyu was a, a popular one or like Azalea Dying. All that era of like fair records, like trust kill bands. That's the shit that I was, um, that was into around that time. Yeah. Hellfest type stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and, and trust kill and ferret, I know were huge at the time. And like, I, I, I wasn't like into that stuff, but retro, like retrospectively, like, like people kind of from around them would be like, Oh, I mean like that stuff was like inescapable. Um, yeah. and, and looking back, I can like, I, I can like tell that like, that was just kind of that, that stuff was like everywhere. Um, cause I mean, I remember those bands, but I, I didn't associate them all with like, kind of like one sound. I just like, uh, I just remember like certain types of kids liking as I lay dying, liking stuff like, you know, like, like a tray you and everything. Um, but, uh, so you, I mean, like, what, like, what happens? Like, do you hit eighteen and then you're just like, I'm out of here, or like, kind of like, how did you get back to Arizona? Um, 
Well, basically it's like, it's a program. It was set up as a program where like you, you go up in levels and then you graduate based on kind of like a point system. Mm. And, uh, it's set up to, so that you're supposed to go through this whole thing. And then there wasn't a whole lot of, um, you'd think that there was a little bit more, um, therapy sort of stuff going on but really there wasn't much um they tried to but it was in my eyes it was kind of like a scam where they're you know they're charging your parents for you to be there monthly and they want to keep you there as long as possible so they you know they can't keep you there after you turn 18 unless you want to um and i was like for sure like i'm i'm out of here the day i turn 18 and it kind of manipulated or my parents a little bit into you know, Hey, if he doesn't finish this program, then he's going to, you know, fail at life or he's going to go back to what he was doing before. So my parents really wanted me to stay there. And I eventually just like, I don't really care. I'm going to leave. So my parents gave me a a bus pass, um, back to to Mesa. And uh, I took a Greyhound back from upstate New York on my 18th birthday. And from there, I kind of like had to fend for myself. Um, it it was kind of like, I understand it now because my parents were super concerned about me, but they kind of had to do the tough love thing of like, all right, well, if that's what you want to do, then you're kind of on your own. And at the time, you know, I came, my birthday's in April. So I turned 18, I came back and my friends that were my age were still in high school and living with their parents. And I was like, I had to get a job and like get my own apartment and all that when I was 18. What's like, like, what'd you do? What was the job? Like kind of like, how did, how did you make it happen? Um, I think the first job I got was like working for a catering company through like my friend's sister. And then I got a job. Um, I worked at Kmart. I worked at the electronics oh, section of Kmart. Fuck yeah, brother. Selling them Dells. I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But, uh, all right. So, so you do that, you know, find a place you're on your own. And you said around this time period, you start, you start a, a new band when you come back. What, yep. what's that band? What's, what's the vibe? What's going on? Well, I started a band. The name of it was called slut sister. Um, okay. I don't think that you could get away with that now. Probably um, not, but you know, whatever. But, but that's what it was. Um, Do your own thing, man. Yeah. You know, at that time things morphed a little bit, but it was definitely like, I was getting into more like sludgier metal. Um, I, I jokingly have a name for it called barbecue metal. Ah. Um, so, you know, <laughs> I like, like Pantera yeah. definitely liked a lot of Pantera. Um, I remember early on, cause one of the bands that I liked, um, was every time I die, mm-hmm. you know, like they had this sort of like Southern riffs a little bit. Yeah. They got tracks like that. And it sure. started from that, but then I got into eventually like more sludge, like I hate God crowbar. Fuck um, yes. And like sleep or like stoner metal, I guess. Yeah, um, I mean, I love sleep. all that stuff. Yeah, for sure. So eventually it turned into that. So it was kind of like a sludge metal band, but there was like a little bit of hardcore too. But I've actually like I've never played in like in just a straight up hardcore band. Um, like I've always I've always liked it, and it's kind of like been an element, but I've never actually played in a hardcore band. Oh no, I mean, I, I was thinking that I was thinking that you were like doing like something like more metal oriented with kind of like what where your tastes were going anyway. Yeah. Um, but like. You know, and, and like all the stuff you like are referencing, like like I hate God, 
Um, like when I was younger, like that, that was like a big one for me. I got into sleep later, uh, around the same time period that I was into I Hate God, I was getting into like corrosion conformity, um, mm-hmm. like, uh, both blind and deliverance, like, like all that stuff. I like love, I love that stuff. The same time period I was getting into Pantera. So like, yeah, you know, like, and, and I all think that that's stuff, how I got into those bands through Pantera. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, I feel like that stuff kind of goes hand in hand. Uh, like you, like those, those bands, even though some of them are from different eras, they all kind of build off one another. I mean, yeah, I mean, you think about Pantera, Crowbar, you know, that, that comes down, like, you know, it, it, it's all in there. Um, yeah. But, uh, so, so you guys are playing locally, like, just you're playing around Mesa, or are you in Phoenix now? Like, like yeah, proper Phoenix? We played, we played a lot. Um, I mean, that band existed for probably, like, four or five years, um, and we played a lot of shows, um definitely that was my first experience playing like the opening slot of like for touring bands Mm, you know um i played plenty of shows up until that point but it was usually house shows or just like random one-offs at the at a venue but that was the first band that um we started playing a lot of like real shows and starting to you know be support or like be like the local band on whatever touring band was coming through and we never toured um I mean, partially because I got in my own way and, you know, I'd gotten back into drugs and I was like, at this point from when I was 18, um, to when I got sober, when I was 25, like I was, I was wild, you know, like I was, I was probably not a good friend. I was not a good person to play music with. Um, and, uh, but I feel like that kind of all makes sense. It goes hand in hand, like, trying to play in a band that was like i hate god and just being like I mean, acting like those like i was in that band you know yeah i mean like but to say it's like that's pretty canon for for the vibe you know yeah. like like you know if, if i if you think about like yeah the i hate gods uh you know of, of the world like you know the panteras of the world you know kind of uh you know it's self-destructive music for self-destructive people <laughs> you know yep. but um, i was living it so yeah, I mean, hey, hey, you were you were you were being true, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, like, so you, so you're playing this stuff. You're playing. You're not touring, but you're you're kind of doing like opening slot type stuff. What what were so? Do you remember some of like the gigs that you guys were, like the opening band for? Yeah, I'm trying to think right now. Um, we definitely played with a lot of the bands that were like of that stoner metal era. You know, whether it was like Weed Eater, um, oh, yeah, Black yeah, yeah. Cobra. Zoroaster. Um, but then sure. we also played some like, um, Arizona has always been kind of like a mixed bag of shows, you know, like hardcore bands playing with metal bands and punk bands. So like this was the era of hardcore, which I wasn't into. Like I've, I would, I, I've never like identified as like a hardcore kid or whatever, but I've always existed in that same in the same world i guess yeah and this is the era of like hardcore of like half heart and that sort of stuff sure. um and there was bands like local bands there was originally there was a band called life and pictures that was really cool that we really liked and then they started a band called hour of the wolf oh um, i know that about was, that band yeah they toured a bunch mm-hmm. and then there was run with the hunted was a local band yep um we had north side kings um, oh north side and kings eventually is from there. at some point oh. we no, I was just saying Northside Kings is from there. I, I I didn't know Northside Kings was from Arizona. Yeah, yeah, that's where Danzig got knocked out. Yeah, Arizona. Uh, know the video. 
Um, but I think we played a bunch of shows and then we kind of got the acceptance from a lot of the local like hardcore bands because we were still pretty young. We were like 18 or 19. And we so we started getting thrown on a bunch of um, shows. Like I remember playing a show with Our the Wolf and like Trash Talk was like one of the opening bands. Like we probably played first, but they were definitely supporting Our the Wolf yep. um, when they were early on. So, you know, this is around the time period of like 2006 to 2008. Yep. Um, that's, that, that's the era for so, that too. Yep. So I wasn't like, I wasn't into a lot of the modern hardcore at the time. Um, but we did play, I mean, like I remember we played with outbreak one time. Um, just like all that, that air of stuff, maybe the more metallic side of it then we, we probably played with them. You know, that's interesting because I, I always wondered what your connection was to kind of like, because I've known, I've known you as like a metal guy since I've known you. And I always wonder what kind of like your, like your hardcore connection was. And I was like, I wonder if, if like he was in hardcore bands and he was younger and just ended up doing something different later. So this is interesting. I like, like this kind of, that kind of answers my, my postulated question of like, like where was kind of the connection, but I, it makes sense being in kind of like the signature and where it's like, everybody just played with one another. So it was all kind of yeah. more ubiquitous. Yeah. Um, what was, uh, so, I mean, like the band you're in, like, like, uh, like, uh, like you say that band's like band for like band for like four or five years. Mm-hmm. Like what two questions, what kind of stops that band? Number one. And away from that band, you know, like, are you still working for the catering company at the time? Or are you kind of bouncing around jobs? Like sort of like what's going on in your personal life? Uh, I mean, all right, I'll answer it in order. Um, I, I was the reason the band broke up. Uh, I was doing my thing. I remember, you know, when you're a local band or or whatever, and you're like, you know, you're playing a bunch of shows, but you're never getting paid. Yeah. The last show that we played, it wasn't a, uh, it wasn't a planned last show, but I remember we played and we got paid a hundred dollars. And I remember the next day, um, hitting up some for my band. I was like, what's up? Where's my $25? You know, like I played the show, I should get a fourth of it. And they were like, you know, well, we pay for, you know, you don't pay for our practice space. You don't pay for any of our merch. You didn't pay for our recording. Sounds like, I don't care. I needed a 25 bucks right now. And that kind of led to a thing. And I was like, fuck all you guys. I mean, they're all my friends now, but, um, I was, again, I was the problem. And to back that up and, and to your second question, um, I've, I worked some jobs, but then my job was um, selling drugs and doing drugs and for a while until it got to the point where I couldn't, even if I wanted to hold a normal job. So I had to move back in with my parents um, and I got on methadone. I was on methadone for two years of that. And I, during that time, like I went to, um, I went to community college. Um, I thought that I wanted to teach elementary school. Um, but there was just like a lot of stuff, but it was mostly pretty self-destructive and me just being like a degenerate and never getting my shit together and, um, just, you know, getting in my own way and getting in other people's way. So that the band kind of fizzled out after I, after many, many, many years of me being like dead weight, even though like in that band, I wrote, I wrote all the music and I was like, creatively, I was very, it was like mostly my input, everything else that we know now that goes in being a band, um, 
was asked for, you know, whether it's financially or responsibility, I just didn't do anything. So I think they were just all kind of sick of it at the end and it fizzled out. Right. Right. Were you playing bass or guitar in this band? Um, I was playing guitar and doing vocals. Okay. Okay. I, I, I was curious. I, I forgot that we, we hadn't really touched on it. So, yeah. you know, you're, you're having this, this hard time period, that kind of, you know, is hand in hand with this band dissolving, you know, like you, you end up, you end up back home, you know, I mean, I mean, it sounds like you were going to school. So you're trying to do something for yourself. What, what kind of drew you to wanting to teach elementary school? Um, I don't know. Like like kids, I like kids, like kids have always liked me. Like I've always had a way with like my, you know, I have a big extended family. So like all my younger cousins or whatever, um, I was always just really good with kids. And I think that I, I saw, I mean, I didn't really want to go to school, but it was kind of a thing where my parents were like, you have to do something like, please do something with your life. You know, please just like go to school or it was just like, you know, you can move back home, but you have to do something. So you should go to school. I was working at like restaurants or whatever um, during the time, but I think I was drawn to it because number one, I always, for some reason, like kids were drawn to me and I was like, was good with kids and um and also i kind of liked the structure of going into elementary going into like teaching because i feel like a lot of degrees you you can get a degree and then you're just like all right well what uh what do i do now oh yeah at least with um education you're like all right i'm studying this um i get my degree and i know exactly what i'm going to do you know right no i mean for sure as someone who has a degree like or like went to school for something that i don't I don't do anything related to that. It's like, yeah, like I, the idea of teaching, uh, you know, like studying that makes a lot of sense. Cause there's a definite field for you to go to when you're done. You know, it's that I, I, I get yeah. why I get why you, you would have wanted to do that. So, I mean, like, do you, I mean, what, like kind of, do you end up just being like, this isn't for me or do you like stop going to school or, you know, kind of like what's going on? You're not playing with anybody at the time, I, I imagine, or, or are you? No, like right around the time when I was finishing up, like I got my associates in, um, at the community, basic community college. That was when the band had just ended. Um, but I was kind of still a mess personally. Um, and, you know, I was just, I, I don't know if I ever truly really wanted to do that as far as like, schooling and teaching um but definitely in the classes that i took specifically for education they were i feel like they were almost trying to like scare you out of doing it because they would i remember they would pull up these charts that would say like the amount you know that teachers make per per state in arizona was always at the bottom five like every testing scores like all this stuff arizona was like always at the bottom so like you know maybe this isn't a good idea um, but I graduated and I got um, accepted to the University of Northern Arizona University, um, which is in Flagstaff. It's like three hours north from here. Um, and uh, I, I had moved up there with a friend and I was planning on going to the school year school there. But there was all this sort of like funding um, issues where when I filled out fa- the FAFSA and it was trying to get some sort of grants um, or the student loans, it, it showed up that I was in the bracket where my parents, they, according to them, that my parents could like pay for my schooling, but they really couldn't. Um, I mean, on paper, it they decided that I, I they weren't going to give me money, and I was just kind of like, oh, fuck it. 
like I'm not going to do it. So right. Um, right. I just never continued on from there. So, okay. So, so as, as opposed to going to Flagstaff, kind of like, what did you, what did you end up doing at, at that time? Like, or, you know, like you stuck around, you know, Phoenix, like what was kind of like, all right, this isn't, well, this is going to pan out. What am I going to do now? Well, part of the reason I went to, and I applied to that school and, and part of the reason why I moved to Flagstaff anyway was because I was trying to get out of Phoenix. Like sure. at this point I, um, you know, I couldn't get my shit together. I couldn't, I mean, I couldn't get off drugs more importantly. And, and my, um, in my head it was like, I just need to get out of Phoenix. Like I need to get away from these people. I need to get out of and go somewhere new, but, um, that didn't work out. So, well, so I ended up in Flagstaff to working the same sort of like shitty restaurant jobs and doing drugs. Oh. It, didn't, it didn't really, uh, the change, the geographic didn't really do any, any good whatsoever. Okay. So, I mean, I mean, you say that you got sober at 25. About how old were you when you moved to Flagstaff? Uh, I think I was 23. Okay. So, so, so are, are you there for a couple years or, or were you only there for a time period and, and went somewhere else? Um, I was only there for a year and then I came back to Phoenix. Okay. Okay. So you, so you come back to Phoenix and like, you know, like what, what did you, would you go back to like, to like kind of like your parents or like, or did you go like, you find like kind of like a different situation, you know, like were you, was there any idea of like playing with another band or making something like kind of like what, what do you have going on? Um, yeah, I mean, I wasn't playing music at all during this time, but I definitely wanted to. Um, so basically when I moved back, I, I was in Flagstaff. I was just having a bad time. Um, I was just kind of like in the same hole that I'd always been in for years past. And when I moved back home, um, I moved back home with my parents and it was like, it was at that point where I started my, um, getting sober journey, I guess. Um, cause I had moved back home with my parents and they were kind of like, all right, well, you need to get some help. You know, like you need, we've tried, like we don't, we don't, my parents have no experience with substance abuse. So there's like, um, you need to go somewhere, you know? So I, I checked into this treatment center, this rehab, um, the Salvation Army, which is free, but you, it's very strict. It's like, it's basically for homeless people. Um, but I didn't really have any other options. So I went there. And so for the, for the next two years, almost, um, maybe a year and a half, like that's how long it took me to finally get sober. Like I went to the Salvation Army and I got out, uh, I left early and then I ended up, you know, like relapsing and going, into different like detoxes, um, a couple different treatment facilities, like sober living. I, and then finally I ended up in the psych ward, not necessarily because, um, of mental instability other than, um, substance abuse, but I really had nowhere else to go. And I was at the point where, um, I had gotten kicked out of this sober living house that I was living at, um, because I had gotten high and my friend was like, you know, you just need to go to the, I'm going to take you to this hospital and you have to tell them that you're going to kill yourself or you're planning on it. And then they have to put you in a psych ward and at least you'll have somewhere to be for the next week. So I was, you know, I, I was straight up at an option. So I was like, yeah, sure. So, um, so I ended up there okay. and then I went to the same rehab that I started at the Salvation Army. Um, and that was in August 
that's August uh, 11th of 2012 and I've been sober ever since. So you go, okay. So, I mean, it just, it just took, it just took some time, you know, it, it, yeah. like, and like, like a lot of different directions. It, so, yeah. you, you know, I mean like, and like, that's like, you know, like, yo, power to you, man, for, for being sober, you know, since then, I mean, like, like it's, I mean, like, that's just sounds like it wasn't easy at all. And it, and it took a lot. So, I mean, like, you know, I, I really, I commend you. Um, so you, you know, no, of course, of course. I mean, like, so, all right. So 2012, you know, like what, what do you end up, what do you end up doing? Like, you know, kind of like, like, like you've, you, you're kind of starting a new, a, a new chapter in your life, you know, kind of like, like, are you like, you know, kind of, like, kind of where are you going at this point? You've, you've, you've wrestled I mean, with these demons and, and now you don't have to, to wrestle as intent, intensely as you were, you know, kind of like, like where, where are you heading now? Um, I mean, I, so I was in this place for six months. Um, and then when I got out, it was like my first time as an adult, like, I mean, first time in my life, like being sober, um, for any, definitely for six months. Um, and I just had to, like, I mean, I was 25 at this point, but like I was learning how to be an adult from the, you know, for the very first time. And, you know, like get a real job and like live somewhere, you know, pay my rent, you know? Uh, I mean, I, I did that for years, but it was always a super struggle. Like you said, it was, I wasn't having to, to battle these things as hard. It was definitely, I mean, substance abuse and like recovery is definitely something you have to continue to work on for the rest of your life. But um, this was my first time, like, um, learning how to be an adult. So I, I kind of got my shit together and, and I'd been waiting to play in bands for forever. So, um, like a year or two before, um, I kind of like, I had pawned off my guitar that I had and my, like I had a half stack, but I pawned it off to my dad. Like I had needed some money and my dad's like, yeah, I'll let you borrow this money, but I'm going to hold on to this stuff of, you, of yours. Cause that's like the only things that I really had of value. Okay. So my dad had it. And I remember one of my, literally my first order of business once I got out and I got a job was to pay my dad back so I could get my guitar back and my, um, my amp. And at that point, you know, I think I was only not even out of, of rehab, um, not even like six months. And that's when I started Gate Creeper. Okay. So Gate Creeper started in 2012? Uh, I think it was 2013. Okay. Okay, I, I didn't know Great, Great Creeper had, had had been around. Uh, like, like I thought Great Creeper had started later. So, yeah. what what kind of wh like what brought you to the point where you're like, all right, I want to make this band. Like, you know, like like you know, like what kind of like what was your mission for yourself? What you know, what did you have in mind? Um. Well, I guess like going back, like probably so. I I moved. I mentioned I, I had moved back home with my parents. I think it was in 2008. And, um, and then I got on methadone, which I won't really go into, but it's like a maintenance sort of program thing. And it allows you to like, it's for, for opiate dependency, but like allows you to like, you know, retain a little bit of normalcy to your life. Um, and this was a time of, uh, me, uh, 
the golden age of like media fire, like blog oh, uh, dude, sort of downloads. Yeah. And I was already in like this whole time, my whole life, I've been super into music and like finding new music. Even when I was like totally fucked off, um, I was still like hungry for, for music and always finding new music. But at this point, I remember specifically being at my parents' house on their computer and just like spending all day just like downloading music, just downloading music, downloading music. And, um, I remember I just like was super, I got super deep into death metal, like old school death metal sort of stuff. Um, you know, 2007, 2008. And I just went super deep into it. Um, even this was like at the end of when I was still playing with the other band, um, and incorporating that sort of stuff into it. But, um, I just got super deep into it, super deep into it. And I've never let up since. Um, and so I knew, I knew what kind of music I wanted to make when I started the new band. So it was like pretty specific. Like that's how I met the drummer who of gay creeper at a show. And we were talking about like death metal. And I was like, I'm trying to start a band like that. And he's from Tucson. He was living in Tucson. So, and it was just kind of a mutual love for some bands. We talked about Dismember and stuff like that. Sure. And I was like, I'm trying to start a band like that. And then that was it. You know, we, we started playing together and we were still playing together. So, yeah. Like, I mean, like, 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 yeah. Like, like what kind of, st- you know, so you said you cite Dismember that you want to do something like that. Like, are you listening mm-hmm. to like the Swedish stuff? Or are you, I mean, I imagine you listen to everything like Florida, like, you know, like, yeah. like, like, like who else, what are some other, some other ones that you were like, Oh, like, like I'm trying to do stuff like this. Um, yeah, it, it was mostly like Swedish stuff, you know, like, um, dismember and tomb grave, sure. um, unleashed. Like that was the kind of the main ones, but I hear that. I y'all. Mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's like, I mean, it's it, our influences are super obvious as far as that stuff. Um, but even from the very beginning, I remember talking about those bands would always be like, yeah, we kind of want to have some like crowbar parts stuff. Mm. Um, and uh, I think that there were some like modern bands at the time that we were also like, you know, um, saw eye to eye on like Grave Miasma. I remember was a, a big one like Dizma. That Dizma record oh, was yeah. like pretty fresh at the time. Yeah, they're um, hot. But yeah, it was mostly like Swedish death metal. Okay. Okay. So yeah, what what were the first steps for Gate Creeper? Like you know, like you you find the drummer in Tucson. Like you know, how did you find everybody else? And kind of like how how did how did things go when you were starting? Like you know, like did it did it hit hit really quick? Was it a gradual build? You know, like, yeah. What was what was sort of the the chapter one of this? Yeah. Um. So I think uh, we started the band. It was very late 2013. Um, when we first started practicing, but so it started, I met our drummer, Matt, he was playing, um, he played in this band called territory from, from Tucson that I had known their singer, Sam for a long time. And, uh, so we kind of introduced and Matt is like, his nickname was metal Matt. Like he played drums in this territory is kind of like they're a hardcore band, but it's kind of like ringworm style, hardcore, um, or like kickback metallic metallic hardcore and um but matt was like they called him metal matt because he was like a metal dude okay in this band so i entered i was introduced to metal matt we hit it off talking about music and then um 
we talked about like exchange numbers. We started texting about playing and he's like, yo, my, my roommate at the, t- my roommate plays the guitar and he wants to play with us. So I was like, all right, cool. And, and for, I guess it's worth mentioning at the beginning of gay creeper, I was supposed to just play guitar. Like oh. I wasn't supposed to sing. I was just going to okay. play guitar. So he was like, yo, my, my roommate plays guitar and he wants to play with us. So I was like, all right. And they were, they're were both in Tucson and I was in Phoenix. Um, so then I think we got together for the first time, just the three of us in, in the very end of 2013. Um, we started writing a bunch of songs or I think we wrote like four songs and this whole time we were going to have somebody else do vocals, but like we had someone that was going to do it and it fell through. So we went to go record like our demo or I guess it's our first EP and a couple of weeks leading up to it, it's like, yo, I don't think we're going to find someone to do vocals. So I'm just going to do it. And had had you done vocals for? Oh, you had done vocals for your previous. Oh, we yeah. recorded our first EP that was just the three of us. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Um, but yeah, we just it it wasn't even a real band. We hadn't like played a show yet, but we recorded like me and Eric, the guitar player, played the guitar and handled all the bass, and then I just did vocals and uh, we we put it out on Bandcamp. Sure, I mean, like, like, yeah, I mean, like, so, like, I mean, you've been you've kind of been like like playing in like the metal world anyway already over the past like you know seven years at this like mm-hmm. this point like you know like were you like picking people up from that were like becoming fans from there or was it kind of like a whole new landscape um there's a there's a whole new landscape um but also i mean i've okay so we put out the our first cp on Bandcamp, and i think it was april of 2014 Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it was, we kind of came at like a, the perfect time or like a really good time where, um, that sort of style of like old school death metal, um, was, you know, having it, having its first kind of moment of like the new wave of bands doing that. And, uh, and also at the same time, hardcore people, you know, people in hardcore were like starting to really you know, be all about, you know, bolt thrower and oh, yeah. obituary and, and bands like that. So we kind of came in yep. as having our, our feet in both worlds. And, um, while it, there was kind of hype around that sort of style, um, and also me being like a super music nerd and also like an internet music, like downloading sort of person, I just kind of reverse engineered it. And all the places that I would find new music or download new music, I just would send our, our music to all these places for them to post. Like what, what were the places that you were going to for that? I don't know. You know, like all those like blogs, but, um, you know, just download blogs, you know, you they're on there. They just have a description and then you the a media fire link. Um, that was kind of towards the end of that, that whole era of, um, pirating music, but also it's pirating music, but also just like sharing music. You could go to somebody's blog and you might not, know who this record is that they just posted but because you liked the stuff that they posted before you'll check it out right and and, and, and then like i guess also websites at the time like cult nation and stuff like that oh yeah definitely 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 um i mean there's you know they're, they're still you know still doing the same thing now but you're right like yeah. that is kind of like the time period where that like the media fire blog spot like went like the rar file type like time yeah. period is like kind of like rapid share whatever uh is is kind of like fading out 
because the rise of streaming, I feel like it kind of hits around like, you know, that around the like 15, you know, I mean, it's already been happening, but I feel like it starts going way more up uh, yeah. during that time period. So, I mean, like, did you guys like, did you guys like start like touring pretty quickly or like, you know, I mean, like, like obviously Gate Creeper has gotten, has ascended to like, like, like a, like a great level, you know, but it sounds like what you had done previously was, was fairly local. Mm-hmm. So kind of like what, what was the difference here and, and kind of how did you get there? Um, I mean, this is, I had never toured before. Um, but you know, so we put something out and we just like put it everywhere that we could, you know, like it, it caught on and it kind of snowballed from there from just having a couple songs out. And, you know, we got some cool, like sign offs from different, you know, like Trevor from black Dahlia murder, like posted our shit on their like black Dahlia Facebook, like super early on and just got a lot of eyes on it that way. Um, there's and it's slowly like different websites started posting about like kind of almost random stuff like pitchfork. Um, I don't know if they still have it, but they have this like metal column. Um, it was like a weekly thing. And early on, like our, our EP had only been on Bandcamp for like a, a week or two and it got posted on pitchfork. Oh damn. Um, Look at the draw. Nice. So like we got some, yeah, we got some super like early, very lucky, like sign offs or, or looks from different places. And also, um you know like i kind of went into this band i'm newly sober and i but i still have this like years of fucking junky energy you know like to to live in that world and be a, a, a drug addict like you're always hustling you know like every you wake up in the morning before you even open your eyes you're like all right what am i going to do today i need some money you're like what am i going to get this you're like a scammer you know yeah um so i just took that all my my junky energy my my like hustle that i needed to just survive for many years i just like focused that energy on the band and just like that's all i cared about like that's all that i would do all day was um i was working in like a a call center type job um and was on the internet all day and so i could just at work to just like do whatever i was doing on the internet and do whatever band stuff i was doing on the internet just all day at work too Dude, I so I also for uh for years was in a, in a call center type job scenario, and that is all I did as well. Just tried to like orchestrate every band type thing I could, like on the mm-hmm. clock, like you know, just like use like just that time in front of a computer all day just to do that stuff. I get sort yeah. of like that supplemental obsession. I mean, especially considering what what your life had been like you had this new endeavor to put all your focus in to, you know, kind of like, like take the place mm-hmm. of something that was let's take the, something constructive to take place of something that was destructive. Um, yeah. And, and so I, I see kind of like taking that energy and just moving it into a, a better arena. Um, but so like, I mean like, like kind of like you, you guys are getting like a lot of good nods really early on. Um, mm-hmm. What, you know, like, what leads up to the first record? Um, so we uh, put out the EP and then we did another, like just one song that was for a split. And then um, we booked like me at work. Um, I booked our first two tours. The first one was with Fuming Mouth. 
they were a, a newer oh, band yeah. at the time too. And I had made friends with them um, when I was in Boston at a mind eraser show. And, uh, and we kept in touch and we basically flew them out to Arizona and we all shared a van. We did a West coast tour with Fumi mouth. That was our first ever tour. And then um, that summer, so this was 2015. Yep. Um, we, I booked another like East coast tour or like heading East for us. So like we played Texas and, and Georgia or wherever it was on the way out or way back. Um, but mostly East coast. And, uh, at that point it was, things had still like been gaining traction pretty, pretty regularly. Um, and I guess people, when we were in Philly, people from relapse came to the show, but we didn't know at the time they didn't say anything to us, but I guess uh, like the whole relapse office came to the show and they like bought our record and, and watched us play. Um, but they didn't say anything like they didn't, um, I think they were scouting us out, but they hadn't let it make, they didn't, uh, it wasn't known at least to us, um, until, uh, we we did I think we did one more tour. Hold up, my uh, my AirPods are dying. I don't know if you can hear it, but um, oh, we good. we eventually like you know we had a bunch of songs that we had written from the, since the beginning of the band, and we went to we were getting ready to record it, and we were actually when at the time that we recorded our first full length, uh, originally our record was going to come out on E three eight nine. Oh um, shit! Yeah. Okay. So we had we had met Dom and he was like into it because we, uh, you know, had made friends with Full of Hell and um, a couple other bands that were um, that he had been putting out. But it was kind of around the time that he was wrapping up doing the label. Mm. Um, so we recorded it and it was done. Our first record and dom was like yo I, i'm kind of closing up the label like this record is really good and i don't think it would do it justice if i put it out because i'm kind of like wrapping up the label so um i'm gonna send it to relapse and see what they think and we were like oh shit um you know at that time we were like you know we did friends of relapse for a long time and so he sent it to them and i guess then we found out that they had already been kind of keeping their eye on us so um oh. they called us the next day and we, we signed a relapse Oh, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, and like, and it's like, I mean, so what's, what's cool about Gate Creeper to me, you know, kind of like thinking about all this is like, you know, it's like you'd been doing bands your whole life and then you get to this point where like all the right stuff is happening at the right time. You get the right nods in the beginning, like a, a big mate, like, you know, label like relapse, like for just your first LP, like, th like they were already interested, you know, um, I mean, that's I I like to see, I like to see a story like that where it's like like good stuff is happening, you know, for people like that. That like that's cool. Where it's like less of a struggle, um, and uh, I mean, you know, so like that that's that's the record that I became initiated with y'all on was that one at, at the end of uh, twenty sixteen. Um, yeah, you had you've been booking these tours yourself. You said, yeah. So. Um... I booked two tours for us. And then before we did our, our full length, we did one more tour. We did a, a tour in the winter of 2000, the beginning of 2016 with uh, a feather and bone. And they had an agent through state of mind at the time. Oh, yeah. And uh, so they just, they booked their agent booked it. And that was the first tour that we, you know, had been on that we didn't book ourselves. 
Okay. And it was another just West Coast tour. Um, but, you know, I guess also at the same time, kind of around the same time that I started Gate Creeper or early on, um, I got a job with the, uh, like a part-time job with a promotion company here. So I was booking shows and like learning how to book shows and run shows around the same time. So I think that also contributed to at least socially or just like, you know how it is. I mean, you book shows. I think that's how I met like a lot of bands that were coming through is because I was yep. booking the shows or like running the event, this DIY space that we had. So, and then, you know, even having bands stay at my house, like it all, it all was kind of snowballing at once where gay creeper was getting like more attention and, and more and more opportunities. But also I was, um, from touring myself and also bands coming through, I just started like getting involved with the whole world, like super deep. Right. And that was, that was what I was curious about. Cause I was like, okay, like, uh, you know, like you say, you're booking these tours yourself. And I was like, if for when you were previously, you hadn't been, uh, you know, like you hadn't been in bands that were been doing a lot of touring uh, or just playing outside of Arizona. I, I was curious how you had gotten these contacts and like kind of how, how you went about it. But that makes sense. Like, um, no, I, I hear you. How, like, you know, like I was curious how you had been doing like putting putting these tours together having been in a band that had not really like been outside of Arizona but but it makes sense now that that it was through like you know like you kind of getting involved in the promotion cuz yeah that's where you meet so many people to like help that like you did a favor for them they're going to do a favor for you down the line yeah um but all right so, so that makes sense uh so when the record comes out uh in in 2016 like I mean, for me, it looked this way, but it, I mean, well, like, you know, when Sonori and Deprivation came out, it, it seemed like things really shot up. Yeah. Um, know? I mean, it, it was a pretty, like, um, it was a, it was a very, it was quick. I think compared to a lot of bands, we, we came up pretty quick. Um, but it was like a, it was a steady thing. I don't think it was an overnight thing. Um, but it was, it was definitely steady and it's continued to be, um, a pretty, uh, a steady climb where we just kept, kept hustling. And at that point when we did, uh, we did that record and signing to relapse got us like, you know, definitely bumped us up into a lot of, uh, a lot of fresh people. Um, but then we started getting like good support tours after that. Like uh, the first one right after it was actually, we were on a tour when that record came out. It was with Skeleton Witch, Iron Reagan and Oathbreaker. Yep. I remember it. And, uh, that was our first, um, like package tour, our first support tour. Um, and then after that, like it just kind of went crazy. Like we had just tours, like we were, we were the band that everybody wanted to bring on tour, um, soon. So like, I think that was at the big end of 2016, um, in 2017, like early 2017, we did like a, a short run on a code orange tour and we went on tour with nails. Um, then we went on tour with Paul bear and then we went on tour with cannibal corpse and power. Trip. Like, like that was all like, 2017. What a year. Like that's huge. You know, I mean, just like, and and you're also getting a lot of different groups with that mix as well. So, you, you know I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, like, I, I feel like you guys are kind of like the band that gets in front of, 
that like like like, a, like people from a lot of different audiences really really like. Um, so you know, I mean, like uh, you know, like like, like you, I imagine you just at the, at this point you're just on the road. I'm to do something that's not the normal, like just death metal crowd or whatever. Um, I think that either with the songs that we try to write and the, the type of things that we try to do as far as touring and playing shows, we, we kind of target the non, you know, like the, the fringe things, um, not just like your core metal or, or death metal audience. So I think it's all blended to, it's all um, worked well together and to, to kind of, to get us where we're at and um, to, to play to new people, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I think so as well. Um, you know, I, I think, I think what, what y'all are doing has, you know, really obviously like, like worked out, you know, pretty, you know, pretty strongly, you know, and, and, and that's the thing is like, you know, you guys are on LP two or, you know, already. And like, you continue to rise. Some people, like you know, it's like it's like they have they have difficulty with the second LP and 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 you know like their uh their momentum you know t- tends to kind of like ebb and flow. But I I feel like it's just been kind of like upward ascension, um, yeah. You know, for you guys there. That second record came out. Uh, let's see, that came out last year. Yeah, October um, last year. Were you just doing like an eighteen? Were you just doing like more touring and and you know kind of like what was sort of the, the between 17 and 19 kind of like what, what were things looking like? I mean, we were, like I said, we were like, we were the band to take on, you know, like um, we couldn't stop getting like crazy uh, support tours. Um, and uh, at some point we had to just like, you know, we had already started working on the second record but we had to like make a firm thing like, all right, we're not, we're not going to take any of these tours because we just kept getting support tours. Like we need to work on a new record, you know? Um, so in 2018, you know, we started working on the new record or the, the second record and we were still touring. Um, I'm trying to think what the tours that we did in 2018. Um, we did a co-headline tour with, um, full of hell. I think that's where I met you, right? Um, yes, yes, that the, is at the Strange Matter show. Yep. Your band played. Um, I, a short-lived band I did was yeah. That we yes. did play. Yep. So uh, we did that tour, and then we did the um, Dying Fetus tour um, okay, in 2018, yeah. and then we were like, all right, no more um, until we have a new record. So then, all of 2019, we didn't tour at all. And we just worked on the record. I think we uh, recorded it in April um, and then it came out in, in October. And then we were able to do one headline, like co-headline tour with Exhumed. And we had, a you know, this whole year, the, we were going to tour this year more than any other year before. Wow. Um, we had like a jam-packed year as for like, you know, trying to do like the an actual album cycle um, of full touring U.S., um, Europe, like almost like a world tour we had set up of, of everywhere that we could in support of deserted the the second record. But obviously, you know, it's, uh, things have changed and we, and we kind of got cut off. Um, but I'm, I am thankful that we had, we did have lots of momentum and we kind of had our moment, um, before all this shit, um, you know, before everything shut down because it would have, uh, 
it would have been a lot sad. I would be a lot more frustrated than I am right now. If we were, you know, like there's, I'm sure that there's bands that this year was supposed to be their year, you know, like their breakthrough year. Um, when I'm, and I sympathize with that and I, I feel bad for that, those sort of bands. Um, but I'm lucky that we had, we had already reached that point, you know? Right. Yeah. Like the rug wasn't pulled out from under you as harshly as it was for some other people. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and you no, know, that, that is a good place to be in, you know, by comparison to where, you know, you could be, uh, and you know, like what's kind of like the two, two part question. Part one was the year that you guys stayed home to write the record. What were you doing since you weren't, I got three questions actually. What were you doing since you like weren't on, you know, on the road as much? Like, you know, were you just like promoting shows or, or you know, like, like, like hanging, hanging back, uh, doing that? Um, you talked about how you had had this whole year planned out, uh, mm-hmm. you know, to do like world tours and stuff. Had you guys already been to like overseas and stuff? Uh, yeah, or, actually, okay. I, I left it out in in 2017. Um, in between the Paul Bear tour and the Cannibal Corpse tour, we went to Europe for the first time. Okay, how was that for you guys? Um, it kind of sucked. Um, oh, really? Uh, I got really sick. I mean, the shows were all right. Like, I wish we would have gone over as support the first time. That like, makes sense. Actually, yeah, it was kind of a mess from the beginning, but um, we ended up, it was like, we were, it was our a headline tour and we had one, this band rat Lord from Germany. It was a support on a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was cool. Like it was cool. Um, I think because I got like, I got really sick, um, like food poisoning sick Oof. for a good week. We didn't have to cancel any shows, but I think a mix of a little bit of like an underwhelming experience show wise and being sick, I was kind of like not very stoked about it. No, but, I hear you, man. And, but um, yeah. Well, I, I, I was there another part of that. Oh question yeah. Oh, sorry. I, I was kind of like I, I keep getting these thoughts, and I was just kind of rapid firing them. The other one was, what did you do while you were at home during uh, oh, yeah. 2019? Um. So in 2006, the end of 2016, in the uh, when our record came out, and we did that first like package tour. I got laid off of my job. They outsourced the, the call center job that I was working at to um, Serbia. And, uh, I'd been working there for like four years or something and I got laid off and then I just never got a real job after that. Like I, I did continue to, to book shows also in 2017, I started playing bass, um, in this band Spirit of Drift. Oh, dude, and, I love Spirit of Drift. Yeah. So I was playing bass in that band. So I was busy with that. Like we made, um, we made a record in 2017 and we did a tour, we did some touring on in that band. Um, so I was busy doing that and I had some other, like, I was doing like graphic design. Um, I had some stores, some bootleg stores that I was doing and just like all kinds of hustles I was doing, but I, I haven't had, uh, to have like a real job since 2016, um, between bands, you know, doing music and whatever their other kind of hustles or scams I could come up with. Um, so 2017, I was just like, uh, or 2019 when we did the record, we did a spirit of drift record at the beginning of the year. And then we did the, the gate creeper record. So I was busy with, with both of those. And then respectively, like tour putting out a record and touring with one band and then putting out a record and touring with the other band. So that, like, so this is actually interesting to me because, because I, are you like, I, I knew you had played with spirit of drift before, but mm-hmm. I didn't know that you were like in it. 
Yeah. Um, how did that come about? Because, I mean, like, or, were you in it for Curse of Conception as well as Divided by Darkness, or did you yeah. kind of come later? Okay. okay. So, um, Spirit of Drift is Nate's band, and um, Nate started Spirit of Drift, and it was just him. And he made a record, maybe two records that he played all the instruments on. Um, and then around the time that he started Spirit of Drift, he joined Gate Creeper. Okay. Um, so he joined Gate Creeper, and it was always where Gate Creeper, um, me, and our guitar player Eric um, write the Gate Creeper songs for the most part. And uh, Nate Spirit of Drift was his thing, where he wrote the music and he played even when I was in the band with spirit of drift and I was there in the studio for the two records that um, I was involved with Nate still played um, all the instruments besides oh, the drums. Okay. Um, so it was kind of like, I was just playing in that band. Um, I, I had a lot, um, you know, I kept busy and, and helped a lot like behind the scenes sort of stuff. But as far as musically um, I didn't write any of those music any of those songs and the same way when when nate was in gate creeper um like he joined when we were pretty much already done writing for the for the first record and then when we did the second record um i ended up writing two songs with nate but we ended up using those for um not on the album like we did it for a decibel flexi and for an adult swim song okay um but it's always been separate like you know Nate's writing Spirit of Drift. Me and Eric are, are writing Gate Creeper for the most part. Besides the other couple, um, I think there was another song that that I wrote with Nate for uh, for Gate Creeper. So maybe like three songs total, and maybe a couple other things here and there. But it was pretty separate. Um, so then last year, at the end of last year, after doing both bands and both bands putting out records in 2019, um, it kind of came to the point where we just had to like you know split it up where okay. there wasn't an overlap of members. Gotcha. So Nate, just Nate went to do spirit of drift and you guys obviously stayed just doing what you were doing. Yeah. Cause I was going to ask if you had anything to do with uh, the, the, the newest spirit of drift record. Um, but, nah. yeah. Okay. Okay. I gotcha. I gotcha. Uh, but, uh, oh yeah. So, I mean like, yeah, cause I was curious about that. Cause I think I had seen pictures of you playing with, uh, spirit of drift and I was like, Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, you know, chase does do that. Okay, that that clears that up for me. We, we played at Strange Matter one time with uh, Paul Bear. Yeah, yep. I know the one. I I think, I think Spirit of Drift also played this place called the Camel here at some point. Yeah, in we time. did. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. That that when once Strange Matter closed up, that the Camel became like my go to spot uh, for cool. for doing stuff. Just just really easy. Um, but uh, you you talked earlier about you've been doing graphic design and stuff. I actually mm -hmm. remember encountering some of you before I met you encountering some of your work. Cause I think you did a tour flyer for the beautiful ones Yeah, that one of my older, one of my older bands was on. And I remember that. And I believe you did the lost soul seven inch. Yeah. Yes. Yes, I did. And I am, I'm in the room. So this is where I am right now is where that was recorded. And I'm actually looking oh, nice. I'm actually looking at that seven inch on the ceiling right now because <laughs> all the records that are recorded here, they, they, they post them up. Um, yeah, no, I, I saw cheddar earlier this week. Nice. Uh, mm -hmm, no doubt. That actually, seven inch, that, that seven inch is awesome. Oh, it rocks. And what's, and the, like, uh, that, so the guy, the engineer that you spoke with earlier, Sam, he, uh, he recorded that, but I'm trying to remember if he played in that band or not. He's in, uh, are, Sam, are you, were you in Lost Souls? 
Yeah, Sam was in Lost Souls. So the guy, oh, nice. yeah, there you go. Um, but uh, I Sam's in a lot of bands, so I forget. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, okay. So kind of like yeah, this year though, with like no promotion and like probably less gra- graphic design work and no touring, kind of like what have you been doing since you know, kind of like the pandemic happened. Um, well, you know, like I said, we were supposed to be touring this whole year and I was kind of like had my, my year planned out to do that of like, you know, planning on not being home and just touring. Um, and so when our we were supposed to do a tour in March, the decibel tour, and it literally got canceled like two days before, like we were packed up and ready to leave to to go to denver and they we got the call like yo don't even leave just stay home what was what was the lineup of that go ahead what was the lineup of that again sorry uh it was mayhem a bath us and idle hands dude fuck yes now i was gonna travel to that show because i like idle hands a lot as well like as well as y'all dude they fucking rock Mm -hmm. um but yeah sorry i didn't mean to cut you off i just i wanted to make sure i was thinking of the right tour oh yeah, yeah yeah um so yeah, that, that was, I think the first show was probably like March 14th or something like that. Um, and it was like, it was, it happened really quick, you know, like, cause we were prepared. Like we, we got everybody in town because uh, when, when Nate left Gate Cooper, we got a, a new guitar player, um, Stuart Israel who plays in the band judiciary. Um, oh, fuck he, yeah. He lives in Rock. Texas. So like he came into town, um, the dudes from Tucson were up in Phoenix. We were practicing, like we were packing up our trailer. Um, so we were like on our way to go and everything just like hit really fast. I feel like the whole like Corona COVID stuff, as soon as it hit the U S or like the awareness of in the U S things happened really fast. Yeah. Um, and that was like right at that time. So, um, you know, the world as we know it now, like everything, shut down and um this kind of it 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 kind of was a hit for us as a band because we were like about to leave on this tour um you know still hot off our 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 record and also just like logistically like we have i mean it wasn't smart move but i bought all of our merch for that whole tour up front in cash Mm -hmm. so i had like between records and shirts like i was sitting on like thirty thousand dollars worth of stuff um that luckily i was able to sell like a lot of the shirts and stuff online afterwards but for the first couple months like that's what i was doing was trying to get rid of this stuff that i had just bought for the tour um so that kept me kind of busy um and then i've just been not doing a whole lot i mean i've been working on new music um i've been trying to do write some stuff that's like a little bit different that what we have been doing um and yeah but i can't say that i've been too busy honestly i mean i haven't been working um and uh finding ways to uh entertain myself um because i you know my whole life uh, my my life for the past however however many years is based on live music whether it's my social life, you know, like if I'm not out on tour or if I'm not playing a show, I'm booking a show or I'm going to a show, you know, like three to four times a week. Um, so to have that sort of rug pulled out from under me, I'm kind of like, all right, well, what do I, what do I do with my life now? Dude, I hear you on, I mean, I hear you on that so hard. Cause it's like, yeah, like, but for myself, 
either I'd be booking a show or I'd be just going to any one of the like the random like the few random shows happening like here during the week or like you know I'd be like playing out somewhere like on weekends or whatever so like yeah that hard stop in March like you know I mean it, it really it really like it really switched things up to, you know to say the least so I mean like wasn't obviously you were like out on the road every night and we're gonna be out on the road every night so it, it's like even starker of a contrast like you know it's like I, it's it you know simply put it just sucks <laughs> um but uh yeah you know. I mean, and I, I'm not like, I'm not a negative person. I'm not like a complainer. Yeah. Um, and I know that my situation is not any different from most people, you know, whether it's musicians or just everybody in general. So I'm not like, I've, I've not been like poor me or whatever. I'm just kind of like, it is what it is. And again, I'm, I'm lucky that we, whether it's with a band or personally, like I had a couple good years, you know, leading up to this. So it's, it's made, it gave me a little bit of like a security blanket as for, for right now. I'm like, I'm chilling, you know, yeah, it's um, good. I, I've been, been, I had the luxury of kind of, um, living off of what I've, I've, I've built up for a couple years and I'm still, you know, in, spent a lot of time not doing a whole lot. And then in the past couple of months starting to like plan and to, to write music and to do, you know, keep start making moves, at least what I can for the time being to, to set it up so that once um, we can go, things do go back to normal or we, or whatever the future is going to be, who knows if there it's ever going to go back to how it was before. Um, but at least kind of making moves so that when that does happen or we do have the opportunity to play again or, to put out new records or whatever it is, um, you know, cause there's nothing stopping you from putting out a new record right now. Um, but it's just logistically and everybody's fried. Um, I've just been, just been working on what I can, I guess, yeah. staying busy. I mean, the thing is though, it's, it's, it's like kind of like what you're doing, I think. And I, 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 and I think I've brought this up on here before, but I think what you're doing is what people need to be doing. And that is, you know, operating as if, you know, like you got to prepare for when and if things, you know, kind of like return to a, a level of normalcy or just do what you can. You just got to adapt. And it, it's, I'm glad to hear that you are doing that because some people it, it's they let this year kind of defeat them and they don't have the energy or or what have you, or the creative juice to, to kind of keep at things. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that, that that's not the case for you. And uh, yeah. And, yeah, I mean, it, I, it, that's good. I think, I think it's okay to like, um, just sit down and shut the fuck up for a while, you know? Um, and I, I don't mean that necessarily in a negative way or a bad way, but, um, I think that everybody is hurting for, for different things. Um, whether it's like the world that I've been existing in and like the metal media or whatever is like, everybody's looking for something. And I feel like, um, bands there, whether it's artists or the outlets that support the, the sort of artists, they're all thirsty for some sort of content, you know, and, and I've kind of avoided most of that stuff. Um, not that I don't think that band should do that. And there's things like a live stream, which I've been pretty resistant to for the past couple months, but now it's getting to the point where it's like, 
all right, well, maybe we should do something like that. Um, because this is, this is how it is now. Like this is, it's kind of sunk in. This is the reality that we have to live in. So I kind of have to like, um, change my views on certain things. Um, but I think that it's okay. Like if you look at any of our band stuff, like we've just been quiet for the past couple months. Um, like, and I think that it's okay. I think, but I think that some artists struggle to just sit down and shut up for a little bit. I mean, I, I, you know what, and to, to your point, I think, uh, security, like, you know, feeling secure about what you're doing is having the ability to sit down and shut up and Mm -hmm. still know that like things are gonna, you know, like you, you've built up a foundation for yourself. Mm-hmm. You don't, you don't need to beg people to listen to gate creeper. You don't need to beg people to pay attention to what you're doing. Like, you know, you, you've, you've done work to a point where it's like, people are already going to do that. And, and that's cool. And the thing is, is that when you do come out with something else, whenever that may be like, you know, people are, are going to be excited about it and they're going to want it. And, uh, and you know, and that, that is preface with not having not done anything for a while. So, I mean, like, it's like, you know, it'll, it'll, that adaptation will work itself out in some manner. Yeah. And I, and I know that not everybody's in the, you know, I'm in a fortunate position. Like I said, um, I, I worked really hard for, for many, many years leading up to it. So I'm able to like sit back and kind of, um, reap the benefits from that, or at least have some sort of privilege of, of being able to, like you said, be quiet or, or some people don't. So I'm thankful for that. Um, but also it's like, it's something that I worked really hard for. So, um, I've, I've just, you know, I've battled with myself, you know, once you get used to a certain level of things, whether it's attention or whatever it is, like if you're in a band that's super active, you have shit to post about every day, you know, a new show, something you're releasing, um, your tour, like whatever media, you know, whatever articles or whatever is just like kind of rapid fire after a while. But once that shit stops coming in and you don't have anything to announce, I think for me, I was just like, all right, it's time to just like be quiet, you know? Sure. No. And and I think that's, that's something that like, you know, like some people might need to, you know, as opposed to just trying to squeeze, you know, something to bring up. I think that might be something that people need to hear or it's like, Hey, like, you know, if, if you don't got anything to put out there at the time, it's okay. Like we're all in the same boat. Um, you know, you know, some boats are larger than others, but, but, you know, we're all, all of our boats are kind of in the same spot, so to speak. True. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, that, that brings us up to right now. And, uh, I don't know. It's, I, I, I think, uh, I think your story is, is that of that. I, I, it's that of a winner. I like to see kind of like <laughs> where you were and, and, you know, kind of like, kind of like where you brought yourself and, uh, and, and it, it's awesome. And, and I'm, I'm glad we got to do this. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Cool. If you want you want to leave the audience with anything? Not really. I mean, um you know, it's uh Gate Creeper Gate Creeper is uh is still a thing even though we're uh we've we've been quiet for a little while. We've just been uh figuring out what the next step is and um I'm sure that uh if you're looking for us you'll be you'll be seeing us um around soon. Good. Good. I'm sure everybody uh, wants to hear that. And uh, everybody else, if this has uh, been your first time with us uh, and you enjoyed this, please check out our other episodes. 
And uh, if you like this a lot, if uh, you really enjoy what we got going on here, as I said at the beginning of the episode, if you want more, you can subscribe to our Patreon for more at www.patreon.com slash forum of passion. It's going to be $2 and you're going to get another episode each month. Uh, Stay safe, everybody. And uh, thanks for joining us once again.